With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week and a new edition of Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly sports podcast here on KPRC 2 Plus and click to Houston.com. I'm KPRC 2 Sports Director Randy McAvoy. Uh, my, I have the duties this week on the podcast. It's been a crazy busy week, to say the least. The Rockets have a new head coach, Ime Adoka. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk some uh, Texas draft, I would imagine, but we're also going to talk heavily here in just a couple minutes. Uh, Astros baseball with Sports Talk 790's uh, co-host of the A-Team, Adam Wexler. We'll have that conversation in just a moment. Just setting the scene now. As you uh, watch or listen to this here on Friday morning, we have one day in the books of the NFL draft and more to come tonight with rounds two and three. Last night, first round, you know the story, top to bottom with the quarterback situation with the Texans picks as well. And now it's on to day number two, second and third round picks for all the teams. And, of course, into Saturday's day three as well as teams rebuild uh, for the future uh, in the NFL. And uh, offseason will continue, OTAs, mini camps, and then we get going with head coach D'Amico Ryans in the Houston Texans. But this first segment uh, here on the podcast, Houston Sports Weekly, we want to chat with, uh, as I mentioned, Adam Wexler, a guy that knows the Astros very well and wanted to focus on the Astros on this segment because of the way they're playing right now. Some great series wins over the Blue Jays, the Braves, the Rays. They're starting to get things together now offensively and with the pitching staff as well. So we're going to listen in. Conversation with the A-Team from Sports Talk 790, Adam Wexler. All right, let's talk more about these red-hot surging Astros. A pleasure to be joined here on Houston Sports Weekly by a name and a voice and face you know well. Adam Wexler from Sports Talk 790. Many years a part of the KPRC2 team. Wex, good to see you, man. Good to see you as well. Hey, uh, later tonight, uh, Astros are back in town at Minute Park, a rematch with the World Series champion Phillies. But I just want to, for a few minutes, spend some time with you on the last week or so and what this team has been able to accomplish fresh off that series win over the Rays in Tampa. Prior to that, the sweep in Atlanta. Prior to that, a, a nice series as well against the Toronto Blue Jays. This has been a nice stretch by this ball club. They're starting to kind of lock in right now, aren't they? Yeah, this stretch of games mirrors this golden era stretch of Astros baseball. Just go out and win series. Everything take care of itself. You'll be at the top of the division, the top of the standings, possibly the top of Major League Baseball. Win a series at home against the Blue Jays. Sweep the Braves. Hunter Brown gets the start on this road trip. And then what he did on Wednesday, closing out the road trip with an unbelievable performance. Yeah. And he's had several of those already. I know it had to feel good for the team. The getaway day wins are pretty much a constant for them. Uh, and winning the way they did the last two days in Tampa, not allowing any runs to a team that had been running over Major League Baseball until the Astros got to town. This team never lacks confidence. We, we sometimes ask them, do you gain confidence from this? Were these statement wins? And they always say, no, this is who we are. We know who we are. We're champions. Let's go play ball. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a, a team that, that was slow out of the gates, but you look over the past, what, three years or so, for sure, dating back to 2020, same situation with these Astros. They started off uh, under 500 for that first 15, uh, 18 games or so, and then they caught fire. Similar to kind of what we're seeing right now. They're getting the big hits. Not a lot of offense Wednesday in that win, but it's a it's a one nothing victory. But how about Hunter Brown stepping up? This, people are starting to get more comfortable right now, I think, as the season now locks in. Well, his 237 ERA suggests they better get comfortable with it. And what he's doing is allowing this bullpen to stay rested because his starts, being that he's the fifth starter, they flow right into Framber Valdez's starts. And those two pitchers are obviously, based on what Brown has been doing, they're eating up the most innings. They're giving those bullpen guys who may be used two or three days in a row or three out of four days prior to the Brown appearance, they're usually getting the bulk of those two days off. And then that Thursday day off they constantly get is huge. But he's not just pitching. Pitching well, and he's not just holding down his spot. Uh, he's had two dominating pitching performances, and one of them again was against the Rays. And there's a little, a little bit of pressure on this team from a pitching standpoint, in that they played all three of those games without Jordan Alvarez, who's been the major's most terrific and most dangerous hitter this season. They're playing all these games obviously without Altuve and without Brantley, and they're right. still doing the same things they've done no matter who's been in the lineup for the last five years, and that's finding a way to be on top when when the ball game's over, even if. It only lasts two hours and seven minutes. <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm still getting used to these. By the way, what do you think about the new rules with all of the uh, the shortened games? I mean, these pe- people are playing, paying a top dollar to go to ball games at Minute Maid Park, and they're out of there in like two and a half hours, man. Uh, do you like that? Do you think they should tweak it a little bit to, to not make it so fast to get through these games? I don't think it's going to happen, so I'm going to say no. I think they're perfectly fine. Major League Baseball and their fans are perfectly fine with the speed of the game. There is, again, what are they taking out? They they took out stops in play. They're not shortening the plays. They're taking out all the stop action uh, plays. Pitchers look very comfortable uh, working under those 15 or 20-second time constraints, whether or not a, a batter's on base. And clearly, the hitters have adjusted to it. We don't see a whole lot of violations. We certainly don't see them at the most important parts of a count. And it just took a little bit of adjusting to it. And that goes for the fans as well. I, I think they're perfectly happy getting yeah. in and out of the ballpark at that time, sitting down to watch a game in that amount of time. They still have to get used to how quickly things happen. You know, an inning ends and you think time to go grab something from the fridge. And then you get back to the game and the half inning is already over. I know. It's like two outs already. It flies by. Hey, I want to talk specific players with you. Just weigh in, see, get your thoughts. I'll do the same thing, Wex. Uh, I'll fire off some names in this lineup. I, I want to start because he's been one of the great stories early in this season, Mauricio Dubon and what he's been able to accomplish uh, at second, uh, second base filling in for Jose Altuve. I don't know anybody out there. You, maybe you, you, you guys talked about it before the season or nationally. I'm trying to find somebody who thought Dubon would contribute with the bat. He, uh, he, could, he could certainly play defensively uh, at second base, get the job done. But what he's done offensively, now entering this series with the Phillies starting tonight. He's on a 20-game hitting streak right now. And the more he's played, the more comfortable he's gotten out there. Has that shocked you, what he's been able to accomplish this year? 
I mean, the way you initially set me up, I was going to say the A-team had it first. <laughs> Mauricio Dubon is going to be the fifth best hitter in the American League through the first six series of the season because that's where he is right now. He's fifth in the American League in hitting, and he is doing things differently, though. Credit to him, credit to the hitting coaches on the Astros for what they did during the offseason and the plan they have for him. Go look at his spray chart. Where is he putting the ball? There's wide open spaces opposite field, and that's where he's hitting everything. He's not pulling the ball nearly as often. He's hitting very few lazy fly balls. He'd hit a lot of those over the course of his career. Right. He's hitting line drives to the opposite field, medium distance, and they're finding green. He also rarely strikes out. So they couldn't have asked for anything better out of the, a replacement player because they're getting better than replacement level value for the guy who's out there for Altuve every day. And the fact that he's been bumped to the top of the order and has continued to get on base, you know, leads off a game with a triple, comes around to score, all these late inning extra base hits during this road trip he was a part of all those late rallies it's extremely important for what they've done so far earlier this season and i think across baseball i mean there's some good players that have had you know mm -hmm. really good starts maybe a good player who's turned great but there's very few players like dubon who've had a very nondescript career up until this point as a journeyman and as a you know a reserve who's done the the quality work he's done offensively, really all around baseball. Uh, let's roll out to some other names. Uh, Jake Myers getting a lot of playing time right now with Chaz McCormick out. He made that adjustment about a week ago, I think during that Blue Jays series, if I recall right, the, the leg kick at the plate. Ever since he changed that, he's been a different player at the plate. So he's starting to produce now uh, for Dusty Baker and play pretty good defense. The same type of deal. A lot of line drives all of a sudden. He only had four hits uh, or batted ball events with the exit velo of better than 100 before they, he made that change you just mentioned. And then he got those eight straight starts after Chaz McCormick went down, and he had another four in the first five games. Uh, he had 12 hits in those 28 at-bats. He got his average up over 300 before Wednesday's game. No hits brought it back down below. But there's no pressure on him, and I actually right. think there was earlier in the year. Here's a start. If I don't get a hit, am I going to get back out there? If I'm 0 for 5, am I sitting on the bench for a week? He knows he's playing every single day. And combine that with that little tweak that he and uh, Coach Snicker, Coach Cintron worked on with the change, something that he's done previously in his career, but he went back to here. Obviously, he's very comfortable. And it's, again, you have another guy. He's been at the bottom of the lineup, uh, continuing to get things going for the top. And it was also unexpected. Expected. He had been so off of his game since he crashed into the wall in Chicago in the postseason a couple of years ago now. And this is more like the player they thought he might be when they made the trade to uh, send Miles Straw out and basically hand him the center field job a couple of trade deadlines ago. Talk with Adam Wexler from Sports Talk 790, co-host of the A-Team every afternoon. Uh, Wex, uh, Jeremy Pena starting to find his groove now uh, at the plate. Slow start for him, but he's looking a lot more comfortable and uh, getting some pop in his bat again. Yeah, I think by the end of the year, he's going to show some pretty significant improvement across the board in his numbers from a year ago, which, again, I don't think people focused much on it because the team was doing so much winning. He was obviously a rookie. And then you saw what he's capable of in the postseason. But his regular season numbers as a rookie offensively, they weren't really good. Uh, there are numbers that easily could be improved upon, and I think after his slow start, you're starting to see uh, those improvements being made. Got to be a little bit more selective at yep. what he swings at. The pitchers obviously have books on him, so the same pitch he's prone to swinging at that's not a strike, that sliders out of the zone, 
is, you know, the more and more he sees them, the more and more he's likely to let them go and start hitting his pitches again. And I think, again, in this lineup, you know, counting on Jeremy Pena to be great every day is something they don't have to do. It takes pressure off of every player in it, especially when they get even healthier. And his glove has not diminished at all. He's made some sparkling plays throughout the season, a couple more in Tampa the other night. And uh, right. those are plays that take runs off the board. Yeah, he had a hard hit ball, I believe, in the ninth inning. It was a good defensive play by Pena. Hey, uh, the catcher position is getting a lot of attention, Wex. Uh, Martin Maldonado struggling, not a shock uh, with the bat. Still calls pretty good games with his pitching staff. But how long do you do you stick with him? And, and is it just like, don't worry about the offense, let him call games. But right now he's hitting 150, 155. How long can you uh, continue to pencil him, in, pencil him into this lineup just about every day? Or do you start filtering in a few guys and give him a break now and then? It seems like we've been asking this question for three years. I'm going to stick with the same answer for the third year in a row. They're going to stick with him the entire year, I suspect. Yeah. You know, Yonder Diaz is, is a much better offensive catcher. And I suspect if he got the five starts out of six every single week, you'd start seeing those results. He obviously knows what he's doing behind the plate. He's done really good work with Hunter Brown, quote-unquote, as his personal catcher. Uh, he's going to be a much better hitter at the major league level. But I think they're looking big picture at the team for the time being. And it's kind of a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He might be broke offensively, but I don't think they view his lack of offense in that spot in the order, usually ninth, is hurting them so tremendously that they can't have him out there. I think a lot of us disagree, but just looking at how they've attacked this position over the years, this maybe is the first time they've had a legitimate um, option as another catcher to go out there, right. but he's still a rookie. If it's Corey Lee, he's still a rookie. Absolutely. So I'm not sure that they're ready to, to quite move in that direction anytime I, soon. I'll take 150 as long as he keeps doing what he does behind the dish and uh, operates this pitching staff. I think they've got the utmost confidence in what he's doing. So you just got to know, like you pointed out, he's just not going to deliver. And when he does, that's kind of icing on the cake, right, uh, for Martin Maldonado. Yeah, they'll take what they can get from him. 150 is a little low, even for Martin <laughs> Maldonado. Uh, but uh, he and Diaz have done a decent job this year with the new rules, uh, trying to keep runners close. Yeah. The Astros are going to give up a lot of stolen bases, but they still have a weapon in the arms that both of those two catchers have. It just won't be a, a positive offensively for them. But there's usually a stretch in the season where Martin has a good you yeah. know, handful of games where he, he contributes offensively, and that's yet to come. All right, we got 90 seconds. Right, we got to let you go. Just wait real quickly on the official hire of uh, Ime Udoka, Udoka uh, of the Rockets, new head coach. You like the hire? Yeah, I think he had to be at the top of their list. I bet you he was about to be at the top of the Raptors list, and that might have expedited right. the process for the Rockets. Uh, the results kind of speak for themselves, even though it's only one year as a head coach. He's worked with a lot of great head coaches as an assistant, obviously Greg Popovich, Phil Jackson, Larry Brown. And then his year in Boston, while personnel had a lot to do with it, they were one of the top five offenses. They were one of the top five defenses. This team was yeah. nowhere near either of those spots, and their personnel will have a lot to do with that. I think he commands respect. I think he understands the player's perspective, having been in the league on that side not too long ago, and a number of years as an assistant in a couple of different programs lends itself well to that. Rockets very comfortable with what uh, they learned through their due diligence, what they learned through the NBA about uh, his exit from Boston, and I think it was you know time for a second chance. His opportunity came here. And I think the Rockets just simply said, this is who we want. We're not going to waste any time. Well, let's get it going. 
All right, look forward to getting you on Sports Sunday. We'll talk more about the hiring of the new Rockets head coach. I'm sure we'll talk some Astros as well. Hey, Wex, as always, great to have you on. Uh, tied to KPRC2, our Houston Sports Weekly podcast in this case. We'll see you on the air soon as well. And uh, best of luck moving forward. I'll see you out and about. Adam Wexler, Sports Talk 790, co-host of the A-Team. Wex, appreciate the time. Thanks, Randy. All right, great conversation with Wex. Always appreciate the uh, great insight from Adam Wexler, Sports Talk 790, talking some Astros. And as you heard right there, a little bit of Rockets talk as well with Ime Adoka. All right, uh, we're going to take a break here on Houston Sports Weekly. But, uh, hey, we're going to hear more from the new Rockets head coach, Ime Adoka, introduced uh, to the media on Wednesday. Uh, that news leaked out this past Monday, but he was formally introduced alongside Tillman Fertitta and GM Rafael Stone as well on Wednesday. We're going to hear a lot of that press conference interview from Ime Adoka. Get your take on it as well when Houston Sports Weekly continues. Stick around. And welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly, everybody. KPRC 2 Sports Director Randy McAvoy hanging out with you on this Friday. If you're listening to this on Friday, it's our new week of the Houston Sports Weekly. And I, I've lost track, actually, with how many episodes we have dropped. But we've been going at this, I think, around nine or ten months now. There's, it's been a great response from all of you viewers out there that follow it on KPRC 2 Plus and on Click2Houston.com. We can't thank you enough for the follows and for all the great loyalty and support you give Houston Sports Weekly. Great first segment. Again, thanks to Adam Wexler talking a lot of Astros. State of the Strohs as they get set to welcome in the Phillies starting tonight on a new homestand at Minute Maid Park. How about it? A rematch in the World Series going at it starting tonight, and the Astros are playing some great baseball. The other big story uh, this week, we know about the NFL draft. We mentioned that. Today is day two. Texans will be busy, so will all the rest of the teams in the National Football League. It's also been a great week for the Rockets, finding their new head coach. It came out on Monday, and Ime Adoka was formally introduced at a news conference on Wednesday. It happened over at Toyota Center. Hey, we all know the story of Ime Adoka longtime NBA assistant, many years, seven or eight years, I believe, in San Antonio uh, under Greg Popovich there with the Spurs, learning a lot from one of the coaching legends and Coach Pop. He also had stops uh, in a couple other places, including uh, the Nets, and then landed that Boston Celtics job. And tremendous success in Boston uh, for Ime Adoka. Really turned around that team in 2021 when he led them uh, to the Eastern Conference Championship, onto the NBA Finals, and unfortunately did not win the title. They lost in six games to the Golden State Warriors. But Ime Adoka was a coach on the rise. He had a great job in Boston, but he ran into some problems, some controversy, uh, what they called breaking team policies. And he later admitted to an affair with a Celtics employee that led to his dismissal and suspension as well. But he is back now in the NBA and talked a lot about that, uh, what this past year has meant to him, what he's learned uh, not only about basketball, but more importantly as a person as well, uh, learning from his mistake. But now he's ready uh, to get another chance in the NBA, and he will certainly get that here in Houston with the Rockets. Uh, curious what you think of it. Uh, it's been a pretty good response on social media with the hiring of Adoka. He's a guy they targeted. They had some great candidates, but – he, he really is going to be a nice fit with this young Rockets team that needs to get some tough love, which he will deliver as head coach. But he'll also, after criticizing when needed, he's going to put his arm around him 
and uh, build a really good bond with some of these young players. They've got money to spend in free agency as well, and I think he'll be a draw for a lot of free agents out there to perhaps come to Houston. All right, so we're going to listen now to some of that uh, press conference. Again, it took place over at Toyota Center on Wednesday. Ime Adoka, the new head coach of the Houston Rockets, you're going to hear from him. You'll also hear a little bit uh, as we drop in this clip from owner Tillman Fertitta and perhaps the general manager as well, Rafael Stone. Listen in to the conversation from the Rockets News Conference on Wednesday over at Toyota Center. You left Boston under a cloud and some controversy. It was right for the Rockets to hire you anyway. I'd say in general, um, you know, like, like Tillman alluded to, uh, they've done their due diligence and homework on who I am as a person. I think uh, we spent quality time together, getting to know each other, and uh, we clicked pretty, pretty easily and pretty well. Um, but, you know, overall, you know, I, made, I released a statement months ago when everything happened and, you know, apologized to a lot of people for the tough position I put them in. And, and I stand by that, and I feel much more remorse even now t- towards that. And so, um, you know, I spent these last this last off season uh, working on myself in a lot of different different ways, um, improving in areas. Chance to sit back, reflect, and grow, and I think uh, that'll make me a better coach and overall a better leader. But um, the situation, the matter has been resolved, and I can't really speak much about it. We're a forgiving society, and everybody makes mistakes. And and you know, some things uh, maybe we shouldn't forgive people for, but but uh, I think. What, what happened in his personal situation is definitely something we forgive for. And uh, I discussed it with uh, the president of my organization, who is a woman, and, and, and she was very comfortable with the situation as, as well talking to, to Paige about it. And, and uh, we're a forgiving world, and anybody that isn't forgiving, then, then shame on them. Uh, the steps you take yeah, when you're in dealing with adversity, uh, there can be some beneficial things that come out of it. And so, you know, it would have been a wasted year if I sat back and soaked about certain things, but I took steps in a process to improve myself. Um, like I said, become a better father, a better family member to people I hurt. And honestly, I think going forward, those things that I learned and worked on will help me become a better coach and leader. So I looked at this as another challenge and then how am I going to handle this adversity and so I, I feel like I went about it the right way and we'll continue to work on that. Some of the things I did in Boston when I became a head coach I wanted uh, a energetic staff uh, you know very hands-on relationship based and relatability to the players that was a huge uh, key for me and so I looked to uh, find some of those pieces I'll interview the guys that were here I've heard good things about a lot of guys but this was the first step here and now we'll get to the staffing <laughs> shortly. Well my style personally is very upfront honest and blunt to an extent. Uh, I think the players respect that honesty, straightforwardness. Uh, you know, I'm a very relatable guy to the players, and that's what I try to build those relationships. Uh, they know I'm going to coach them hard and coach them the right way, and I think a lot of these guys respect that. So that's the first part. Um, you know, Defensively, you know, that's kind of who I was as a player and what we did in Boston. That's almost second nature to me, but uh, just like in football, a great offensive coordinator should know the defense and vice versa. I think I enjoy the offensive side just as much and trying to utilize and get the best out of the players. And so uh, I like to be well-rounded, um, you know, like I said, straightforward and honest, and, and that'll always be the first part of how I coach. Really became eye-opening. Guys, I didn't know much about Tari. Um, you know, obviously I saw 
Jabari in college quite a bit, but there's a lot of guys that have tremendous upside, a lot of versatility. And so it, the more I watched and talked to these guys, uh, got the insight on everybody, uh, the more excited I was. And so looking forward to coaching these guys. Yeah, I think it's building the relationships, um, spending time with these guys, and that's what I'll start to do immediately after this. I'm going to reach out to everybody, uh, spend some time in the offseason with them, and, and I think that's how you build that bond. Um, you know, they know I'm going to coach them a certain way, and I think you have to, as well as being hard on them, put your arm around them and love them up as well. And so it's that balance there, but um, everything comes back to communication, honesty, and then doing the right thing. We all know how to play basketball the right way, and it's just uh, taking those steps and being consistent with it. So. That's who I am. Uh, I'll start building these relationships and getting out with our guys as soon as possible. Quick. How important was the process of this alignment between you, Tillman, and Rafael doing this whole process? And how do you figure that trickles down to the rest of the roster, which is still young, still learning and growing? Yeah, I think it's, it's the most crucial piece, honestly. Um, you know, I, I came up for most of my NBA career as a player and then obviously as a coach in the San Antonio system, and I saw the symmetry between front office ownership and, and, and coaching staff down to the players. And I think that's the only way it can truly work. So um, I've had a great example of that. Um, everybody's on board on, with the same direction. Take everything off the pe players' plates and just make it about basketball, make it easy on them, and let us worry about all the other things. And so I've seen it work that way. And obviously, with us meeting, it was pretty natural. We had some good talks, but look forward to building that even more. And uh, like I said, I've seen it done one way that's had a ton of success. And so we want to emulate that. Can you um, talk about your ability to be a mentor to uh, the players that are still young and still trying to find their way on life and helping them off the court as well? Yeah, I think not only my playing career, you know, that, that lends to certain things on the court, but I know what they're going through off the court as well, being in those shoes. Um, obviously, I was a role player journeyman, so I don't have the same responsibility as some of these guys, but we've all been through it, and I think that's a benefit that I can relate to them on those those topics. But as well as this past year, you know, being honest and upfront about what I went through and um, how your actions have consequences. And so those things are, you know, I can be a prime example of that. But at the same time, how you can uh, kind of tackle that adversity and come out on the other side. And so, you know, the one thing I did learn is a true definition of resilient, being resilient. I, you know, most people talk about how you overcome adversity and come back from it. but what I learned through this process was being resilient is really avoiding putting yourself in certain situations in the first place. And All right, so plenty to uh, gather from that news conference at Toyota Center with Ime Adoka. Uh, you can tell he's really excited about the opportunity, and he made it clear at the beginning of that, as you heard. Uh, you know, he made a mistake in Boston. It cost him a really good job, and he's ready to put that behind him. He's learned from it, and now he is really excited to be in H-Town and coach up this young Rockets basketball team, a, a team that's got talent. We know that. Just needs to be refined a little bit, hopefully more maturity with these guys because they are obviously extremely young uh, up and down this roster. But uh, things will bolster through free agency, and Ime Adoka will put his stamp on this Rockets franchise. But, hey, we hope you enjoyed this week's edition of Houston Sports Weekly, talking Astros. Special thanks to Adam Wexler from Sports Talk 790 and the A-Team and, of course, the latest from the Rockets with Ime Adoka as well. So, so long for now. I'm KPRC2 Sports Director Randy McAvoy. We'll talk to you next week right here on Houston Sports Weekly.